Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Come on. Tell somebody next to you, it's Pentecost Sunday. One more time. Thank you so much, Josiah. That's so good. If you don't know what Pentecost Sunday is, because that's a weird word that you probably have never heard before, if you are a new believer in the faith, Pentecost Sunday is the day that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit came into the earth. The Holy Spirit came. Some people call it the church's birthday. It's happy birthday to the church because it's when the Spirit came and empowered the early disciples. It's literally, it means 50. It's 50 days after Easter. There was this time when there was the Easter resurrection and then there's 50 days and then there's Pentecost. There's the time when the disciples were waiting. They were waiting for this unknown thing that they didn't know what exactly it was gonna be. All they knew was that Jesus had told them to wait, that he was sending them something, that someone was coming to them. It was on its way and that it was gonna be of a help to them, that this person that he was sending was gonna be an aid to them, was gonna empower them, was gonna strengthen them, and what they needed to do was wait for it. And it's when we remember how the disciples waited for for what Jesus had said he was gonna send them. They waited even though they were unsure what this thing was, even though they were unclear about exactly what it was that was coming, even though they were uncertain about exactly what it was, even though they didn't really have a picture for the thing that was heading their way, still they waited. I think Pentecost is a good reminder for anyone who has ever been sure that they heard something from Jesus, but unsure of what it was going to look like, that the disciples waited because they were sure that they had heard from Jesus, but they were unsure what this exactly was going to be. But because they trusted in Jesus, they waited. Because when he told them he was sending them something, he said, I'm sending you someone that's gonna be to your advantage. He said, I'm sending you someone and I need you to wait for it. Let's look at what Jesus says to him. This is just before he's getting ready to depart. I love the way that John writes it out. In John 16, starting in verse seven, it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Are you grateful that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit? He said the Holy Spirit is coming and it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. For some reason, the Holy Spirit and Jesus were not able to be here with us at the same time. And Jesus said, I have an advantage for you. It's a good thing to have an advantage. An advantage. An advantage means it's for your good. It's for your betterment. It means it's something that gives you the upper edge, that it's profitable for you. It's expedient for you. It's the best thing for you to have an advantage. And Jesus said, I have an advantage for you. Today we're starting a series that we're calling Advantage. We're going to spend the next several weeks discovering the Holy Spirit, learning about this Holy Spirit that Jesus said it was to our advantage that the Holy Spirit would come. He said that I need to send the Holy Spirit to you. There is an advantage that is available to every believer in the form of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to give every believer the advantage, the advantage in your life. I don't know if you've ever experienced the feeling of having an advantage. An advantage increases your likelihood of success. It means the likelihood that you are going to come out on top of this thing, the likelihood that you are going to hit the mark in front of you, the likelihood that you are going to achieve your desired outcome is greatly increased increased when you have an advantage. It's called the home court advantage because the chances that you're going to win the game when you get to play on your home court field are greatly increased when you are playing on someone else's. There are all kinds of ways that we can have an advantage in life. You have advantages that are within your own control a way to gain the upper edge. When you show up to an interview early, when you study the company that you're interviewing at, when you make sure that you've prepared answers to likely questions, you give yourself an advantage over less prepared interviewees at that. And your likelihood of success in that interview is greatly increased. There are, interviews, there are advantages that are outside of our control. Things like your height or your size might be an advantage that is outside of your control. What can you do about the fact that you are tall? What can you do about the fact that you are short? But having that advantage gives you a situational advantage in your life. If you are tall, you are far more likely to have the advantage on a basketball team. If you are short, you are far more likely to have the advantage on a gymnastics team. There's nothing you can do about it. You just happen to have the physical advantage for that particular situation. Did you know that having a last name that is early in the alphabet, studies have shown, gives you an advantage to educational success? Students with last names at the beginning of the alphabet have a slight advantage over students with last names at the end of the alphabet because they are often seen earlier. They are often called on first. They are often put at the front of the lines as we work from A, B, C, D. If your last name starts with A, B, C, or D, go ahead and stand on up. 
go ahead and stand on up. You can let us know in the chat. You don't have to put your whole last name because that's like, but just say like, that's me, that's me. Come on. You have, look around you. You have an advantage over all of these people around you simply by the fact that your last name has started earlier in the alphabet. You can go ahead and sit down. Come on. It doesn't mean you are not going to succeed. It means your likelihood of success has been increased slightly. There are circumstantial reasons that you might have an advantage over someone else or an advantage in the midst of a situation. When I was in elementary school, I was homeschooled for most of my elementary age years, which up until last year used to be kind of a thing that you like told people on the sly because people would look at you funny like, oh, that's awkward. Are you guys Amish or you're homeschooled? Oh, but then like last year, people were like, man, educational beasts, the homeschoolers, right? They like gained a whole new respect level. So now I'm like, that's right. I was homeschooled in my early years. And when I was homeschooled, so then I started going to public school in seventh grade. And the year that I went to public school in seventh grade, I had covered most of the material that was part of my seventh grade social studies class during my sixth grade year. So it gave me an advantage in the class. It had nothing to do with my intelligence level. It had nothing to do with my application to the material. It really didn't even have that much to do with the difference in the systems. It just had to do with the way the two curriculums were outlined, is that in the curriculum that I had done the year before, we covered A, B, and C in sixth grade, and then something else in seventh grade. And in the curriculum I stepped into, they covered something else in sixth grade and A, B, and C in seventh grade. To be honest, I think I might have missed some stuff there in the middle, but it looked like I had an advantage in that class because I already knew all of the answers to all of the questions that they were asking. Sometimes you're just set up for a win. Sometimes there's just success laid out in front of you. And I think before we go any further, we should just take a minute to look back at all of the places in our life that we have an advantage. All of the times that someone gave you advice on how to go into an interview that gave you an advantage on it. It's an advantage that you had someone to speak into your life. All of the ways that your physicality has set you up for the things that God has called you to do that's entirely outside of your control. All of the situations and all of the circumstances that you have walked into, that you have happened to. Oh, I'm sure there's a list of things where you have been disadvantaged. And I'm sure there's a list of things where you've come up short sometimes. But is there a list of things where you've had an advantage, where your likelihood of success was increased? Jesus said, I have an advantage that I am sending to you. I have an advantage that's coming your way. I have an advantage that is available, something that I am sending to increase your likelihood of success, this Holy Spirit that is coming to be your helper. The verse says, so that the helper can come to you so that the helper can come. And he is getting ready to commission the disciples to leave them, to send them out, to send them on their great mission. And he said, before I send you on this great mission of establishing my church, I have someone who's coming to you to give you 
an advantage, to increase the likelihood that you are going to succeed in this mission that I have for you. And he says, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, the disciples have just spent their last three years growing and developing this friendship with Jesus, getting to know him, walking around with him, building a relationship with him, watching him perform miracles, watching him die on a cross, be buried, and then raised again. They're like, Jesus, we just got you back. And now you're talking about, I have to go away. I don't know if you guys have ever hosted anyone in your home. I don't know if you've ever hosted anyone in your home for like a long period of time, an extended period of time. So Phil and I have hosted a lot of people in our house for a lot of different reasons. We have hosted people in our home long-term for several, and most of them are very lovely human beings are wonderful to be around and are great to have. There have been a couple, though, that have, um, so this one guy uh, straight out asked my husband, how much did you guys pay for your house? Yeah, and we were like, oh, that's odd. That's not normally what we do here. That's not normal, common topic of, hey, get to know you. Also, what did you pay for your house? That's not really what we do. We had another guy that stayed in our house, and we came home one day, and this wasn't someone that we knew, like, really, really well. We were kind of, like, like helping him with a space, and we came home, and our dog was gone, and the guy came back, and he had taken our dog for a ride with him in his car away from our house, and when we said, why did you take our dog with you? That's, it's, it's our dog. It's not your dog. He was like, oh, I was lonely. And I was like, oh, you were afraid the dog was going to be lonely? And he said, no, I was lonely, so I thought I'd take your dog with me. And I was like, nah, brah, that's not, that's not what we do. That's not how this works. We had another lady that stayed with us, and we had a puppy um, at the time, and the puppy was in a kennel because it was being trained. And while we were out, she decided to let the puppy out of the kennel. And part of the reason that the puppy was in the kennel was because it was still being house trained. And so when the puppy came out of the kennel, it exhibited the fact that it was not yet house trained all around our house. Yeah, you guys can catch on. I don't have to break that down for you anymore. And then she just put the puppy back in the kennel and didn't clean up the results of the interesting decision that she had made in my house. Yeah, and so then, so you know, there are so many people that we've hosted that it's just been amazing to have, but there are some people that you host in your house that you think, the Lord loves you, and I love you in Christ. This is not a good fit, and it is time for you to move to the next place. I, you are happy to see the eager, maybe even, some might say, to see them go. Jesus is not that friend. They are waiting, longing to find a way that he gets to stay with them. The verse before where we started said their hearts were filled with sorrow. This isn't a small thing that Jesus is saying to them. It's time for me to go. It's time for me to leave. I have to depart from you. And sometimes when you have something that's so good, 
It's difficult to imagine how letting go of this thing, how this person leaving, how this situation ending is possibly going to make room for anything. But how do you get better than Jesus? Jesus is the friend that you always want at your party. He's the friend that you never want to leave. He refills the refreshments when they run out and doesn't send you a bill for it. He sees you for who you really are and speaks to your purpose and your identity. And if you happen to die at your party, Jesus is the friend who comes and raises you back from the dead. You always want Jesus to stay with you. It says their hearts were filled with sorrow at the thought of it. But Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go. Before he leaves, he has one more lesson that he's trying to teach his disciples because he's telling them, I'm getting ready to send you out to establish this church, to build this church that I've been telling you about. You are the very first leaders in this new thing that I'm trying to create, that I'm trying to develop in the earth. And I have one more lesson that I need you to grasp before I depart, which is that Sometimes it's better for you to vacate the space so that something better can move into it. It's impossible for them to imagine that there is anything better than Jesus. But he tells them, as long as I'm filling this space, the helper will not be able to come. As long as I am filling this seat, as long as I am standing here in front of you, the advantage, the great cup, comforter, excuse me, the great counselor will not be able to come to you. It's a lesson in leadership because he knows he's getting ready to send them out to declare and to establish the church all over the world. And he says, when you go and when you do it, I need you to know that you can't stay in every seat just because it's good. You can't stay in every city. You need to learn to hold the seat as long as it's required for you to hold the seat. And when your mission is over, just like his mission in that spot was done. It's time for you to move on to your next mission so that someone else can come into the seat. And this is the part that is so mind-blowing. When someone else comes into the seat, it's better. It's better when the Holy Spirit comes. When that next person comes up behind you, it's better. It's better than the way that you did it. It's new, and it looks different, and it feels different, and it's uncomfortable. But I tell you what, parent, it is time that you vacate that seat of doing your teenager's laundry. It's time for someone else to come and fill in that seat. You can step on. You have fulfilled your mission of keeping their clothes clean for 13 years now. Let someone else come in and fill that seat. It will be better. They're going to do it different than you. They're going to have a different style about it. They're going to have a different rhythm about it. But guess what? First of all, your time is back. So go ahead and let them fold those clothes. But also they are learning something along the way. Who is behind you in your business and you keep filling the seat? You keep filling the spot because it's good, because the people around you applaud you when you're there, because the people around you give you compliments and tell you how good you are at what you're doing, but your mission is complete in that spot. It's time for you to move out of the spot of manager into the spot of director and take on the new mission because there is a new manager that needs to come up behind you. Before Jesus leaves, he's showing them one more time. There's something to be said for, for leaving a seat when your mission is done and allowing the next thing to come in and fill that seat. And he tells them what they can barely 
grasp that it is going to be to their advantage. It is going to be to their advantage that Jesus departs so that the Holy Spirit can come. They barely have a grasp for who the Holy Spirit is. They barely have a grasp for who is coming to them. We know now that the Holy Spirit is about to come and break out in the earth. The Holy Spirit who is fully God. The Holy Spirit who is entirely eternal. The person of the Holy Spirit is coming into the earth to be omniscient and omnipresent. He is the Holy Spirit who was there at creation, who was there at the baptism of Jesus. The Holy Spirit who we see all throughout the Old Testament empowering the different prophets to speak into the people and to declare the things that are happening in heaven. The Holy Spirit is now coming for every believer. I don't know about you, this is extraneous from the text, but when I read this section, it's like this great middle ground where they're there, they're waiting on this fully God, Holy Spirit that they barely know it. It's like in the background, I can hear the Holy Spirit getting excited because he knows, oh, it's Jesus is coming back and it's my time to come in. And when I come in, I'm gonna break out in a different way. And it's like, I can just hear him saying, come on coach, put me in. Come on coach, put me in. Let me show them what I can really do when I, get down there. The Holy Spirit came and the, the scripture, when Jesus is describing what's getting ready to happen, he says the Holy Spirit comes for three reasons that Jesus outlines. The first is to convict the world of sin. He says when the Holy Spirit comes into the world, he's coming into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And I think we have this heavy idea of the conviction of sin, and it's serious, and it's meaningful, but it's not so complicated. At its core, convicting the world of sin means basically showing the world what is sin, revealing to the world what is right and what is wrong. It's showing, if you live your entire life, like let's say you were a fish, and you lived your entire life inside water, it would be difficult to imagine, to describe, to depict what is water, and specifically difficult to depict what is different than water. This is the only thing I have ever known. You and I have lived our entire existence inside a fallen, broken world that is affected by the, the consequence of sin and of death that happened all the way in the Garden of Eden. It is everywhere around us. The Holy Spirit comes into the world to reveal to us those things. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes into the world to say, I know that you have been natured and I know that you have been nurtured in the pattern of sin, but let me give you a higher perspective. Let me give you another picture on that. Let me give you a different path that you can take. Let me give you a different route that's available to you. Because yes, the knowledge of good and of evil entered the world when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, but we didn't gain understanding with our knowledge. And so it came flooding in, but there was no proper application for people until the Holy Spirit can come in and say, let me show you exactly what I'm talking about. 
Let me convict you. Let me show you. Let me reveal this thing to you. Because how can you choose to do right until you know the difference between what is right and what is wrong? And how can you know what is wrong unless the Holy Spirit convicts? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And then he said that the Holy Spirit came to be our guide. That the Holy Spirit was going to be our guide and that the Holy Spirit was going to guide us into all truth. I love having a good like, car to follow when you're going somewhere you don't want to go. I know we use our GPS a lot, but actually even more than that, when I can just be like, I'm just following this car, I'm just following this person, if you're on a hike, I have an excellent guide in front of me. I can put all of my trust in that. I can put all of my confidence in the fact that this person has been there before. This person knows the way that we need to go, and the Holy Spirit comes to be our guide, and the place he's guiding us to is into all truth. Have we ever needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth like we need it today? Truth seems to be transactional, up to the highest bidder, up to the most likes or the most clicks or the most sells or the most advertisement. I literally, uh, this past week, was reading some articles on some current events that are going on, and I read one article, and then I clicked over to read the next one, and they Truth, they said almost, um, not identical, what's the opposite of identical? Opposing, like completely opposing thoughts about this one event in each article. The desire to find truth is inside each and every one of us, but we are not gonna find it outside of anywhere. We're not gonna find it in any external space. We're not going to find it even just hunting and searching and trying to logic. The Holy Spirit has to guide us into truth, truth that comes straight from the throne room of heaven because Jesus said before the Holy Spirit speaks, before he speaks to you, before he guides you in truth, he hears from heaven he hears what's being said in heaven and then he speaks that thing wouldn't it be great if there were less people speaking on their own authority and more people speaking what they hear in heaven speaking as the Holy Spirit guides them into that place the Holy Spirit comes to guide us into all truth And then it says that the Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus. He came to see Jesus glorified. Jesus left the space. The Holy Spirit comes into the space. And part of the reason that the Holy Spirit comes is to see Jesus glorified. As he leads people into all truth, that truth is is necessary to then come into contact with Jesus. Because when we meet Jesus, we meet the person of truth. And then we glorify who he is. The Holy Spirit glorifies the work that Jesus did. The death, burial, and resurrection. The Holy Spirit glorifies glorifies the power of the blood of Jesus to save those who are lost, to heal those who are hurting, to redeem everyone who is searching to be made whole in his presence. The work of the Holy Spirit is to see Jesus glorified in the earth. The text 
actually says that the Holy Spirit comes to declare what he hears in heaven. Come on, we are people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to declare Jesus absolutely everywhere, to declare his finished work, to declare that he is our friend, to declare that he is with us, to declare that he is available to all who are hurting, to declare that he is available to all who are lost, to declare that he is available to all who are searching, to declare that Jesus is the answer that you are looking for, to declare that Jesus has the power to redeem your marriage, to declare that Jesus has the power to set your mind straight, to declare that Jesus has power over cancer and has power over every disease, to declare that Jesus is greater than poverty, to declare that Jesus is greater than racism, to declare that Jesus is greater than your situation, to declare that Jesus is greater than the conflict that you're facing, to declare that Jesus is greater than the inner turmoil that you're facing, to declare that Jesus is the greater than the lack of education that you might have, or the neighborhood that you grew up in, or the family that you're part of, or the addiction that you've encountered, to declare Jesus, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the everlasting, saving love, grace, goodness, mercy, and power of Jesus Christ Almighty, the Holy Spirit, came into the earth not to lift himself up but to lift up who Jesus is and he has empowered you he has empowered me he has empowered this church he has empowered the people of God all over the earth to say that we will declare the name of Jesus the everlasting goodness grace mercy power and saving grace of Jesus Christ you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to glorify not yourself but Jesus be lifted up. The Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of sin, to guide the believer in all truth, and to glorify Jesus. And so there are these disciples, these disciples who are waiting, waiting. They are the the disciples who Jesus has left. They are waiting in this room. They are waiting in this city. They have gathered together because Jesus told them to gather together and to wait. They don't know how long they're waiting for. They barely know who they're waiting for. They certainly don't know what's possibly about to happen. They just know that Jesus told them to gather together. And so there they are, waiting in a room, unsure of how long, unsure of who they're waiting for, unsure of even what this mission is that they're getting ready to be sent on, but sure of the one who spoke it to them. So they waited. So they waited. So they waited. If you're unsure of what you're waiting for, but you're sure of the one who spoke it to to you, don't leave the room until you get it. Don't leave the room until he fulfills his promise because he is faithful. I've wondered before, because the 12 disciples were there, but then it says there were other people in the upper room as well. This is just my strange wondering when I read the story. I've often wondered, I wonder if there was one person who like left, you know, who was like, ah, it's been six days, like that's enough for me. I'm, I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna check. So I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But, and then they missed out on the very first 
infilling of the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Probably not, because when someone who has risen from the dead tells you to wait in a room, it's a good idea to just go ahead and do what they say. But the reason I wonder about it is because I know how apt I am to wait for a little while and then move on. I know how often I have prayed prayers for two or three weeks, but then thought, eh, doesn't look like you're doing anything with this, God. It doesn't look like it's moving. It doesn't look like it's opening up. I don't see any changes, so maybe that's long enough. I don't know how long you're gonna need to wait for it. I don't know how long it's gonna take for that promise to be fulfilled in your life. I don't know how long it's gonna take for it to show up, but I know if you heard God say it, keep waiting. Don't leave the room until it arrives. And there they were, the disciples, waiting in the room, waiting for the arrival. In Acts 2, Luke tells us exactly what happened. Acts 2, starting in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The moment has finally come that they have been waiting for. And I don't know if they wondered if they would even recognize it when they came. I don't know if they even wondered what will this feel like or what will this sound like. But when the Holy Spirit came into that space, it was an undeniable change in the atmosphere, an undeniable change in anything they had ever experienced before. They knew for sure this is the thing. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. This is the thing that Jesus spoke to us. This is the thing that the prophet Joel spoke about. This is the moment that we have been waiting for because it says the spirit filled the entire space. Not a little bit, not a portion of it, not a corner of it. The Holy Spirit wants to fill your entire life when he comes into your life. He wants to fill the entire space of your existence, the entire calendar of your week. He doesn't want to be part of your week on Sundays from 10 to noon or on Sundays from 5 to 7. He wants to fill your calendar. He wants to fill your life. He wants to fill every last single thing that you do. It says the Holy Spirit came and it filled the entire room. Now, the timing of when the Holy Spirit came is really important. It says that it came at the time of Pentecost, and they were gathered together for this celebration, this Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks, I won't take you through the history of it, but kind of had evolved over the years. And what it was at the time when these disciples uh, were celebrating the Feast of Weeks was a remembrance of when the Mosaic Law was given to the people of Israel. 
Now it's important that the Holy Spirit came at the same time that they were celebrating and remembering how the Mosaic law came because it's a reminder to us of the picture that Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the old law, but to fulfill it. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's not a change from what Moses was doing and it's not a change from what Jesus was doing. It's a continuation from what God has always been doing to see his people brought back to him. And so it says the Holy Spirit comes to give us the empowerment for this next phase of what God is doing, to give them the empowerment that they need to come into this phase of planting the church, of doing the mission that Jesus had given to them. The Holy Spirit comes to remind them that I am continuing the work that I started all the way back at the beginning. And when it comes into the room, it says he came into the room like wind and like fire, which would not have been lost on this Jewish audience that wind and fire are what guided the children of Israel through the desert, that there was a cloud and there was fire that guided them because the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us through the thing that was different this time is that there was one cloud and there was one fire that guided all of the people in a corporate setting. And while in the New Testament we are called to live in our corporate community church, the Spirit comes into the room and divides, saying, I'm not just going to be contained to one Spirit. I'm not just going to be contained to one space. I'm not just going to be contained to somewhere that you have to come to and leave from. I'm going to divide myself so that I can be infilled in each and every one of you that there is a fire there is an infilling there is an empowerment for each and every one of my people not only when they are corporately gathered but when they leave this place everywhere that you go his fire goes with you everywhere that you go his fire empowers you everywhere that you go his fire is with you to guide you into all truth to strengthen you for the work that he has called you to to infill you to purify you and make you more like Jesus his fire is all over you for every believer who has been filled with the power of his spirit and then it says there was a sound. There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. The sound that comes when the Spirit of God comes into the place. God has not called us to a quiet faith. He has not called us to a faith that is only for meditation or for monastic study up on mountaintops somewhere. When the Holy Spirit comes into a place, it says he comes with a sound, a sound straight from heaven, a sound of strength, like a mighty rushing wind, not like a cool breeze on a beach, like a mighty rushing wind that's ready to rearrange your entire life, that's ready to place some things right and uproot some things that have grown in you that never should have grown in you. There comes a mighty rushing wind in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that mighty rushing wind gets on you, it causes a sound to come up out of the people. It said immediately they began to speak in other tongues because when the Spirit gets on you, he pours out on you. And the response of the believer is to begin to pour out on others. We can't stay silent as the people of God. There should be a sound to the house of God. There should be a sound to the people of God. There should be words that are in your mouth that weren't there until you were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's available to every single believer. Don't get quiet on me in this church. Don't forget how to make a sound because you've been at home for a year. Remember that there is a sound 
for the people of God that when you're filled with his power, I must make a noise about what I've heard in heaven, that he empowers me with all kinds of tongues, that he teaches me how to speak to all kinds of people, that he teaches me how to pray as the spirit gives me utterance, that he teaches me how to impart into other people, that he teaches me how to praise and how to worship and how to glorify Jesus. Oh, this Holy Spirit that came down from heaven so that he could be imparted into every single believer. Holy Spirit, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we lift you up. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're in our lives. We say you are welcome in this place. We say be empowered in us. Teach us to walk in all truth. Teach us to walk in light of the convictions that you have given us. Teach us to glorify Jesus. We thank you that you empower us. We celebrate. We remember. We rejoice in the day that you came to your church and we celebrate and we remember and we rejoice the day that you came to us as individuals and if you have never felt the infilling of the Holy Spirit I just invite you right now to lift your hands where you are and to simply ask Spirit fill me fill me fill me right where I am because he's gonna fill you up he has a special you can encounter him right here in this room in your bedroom in a business meeting apparently I love hearing the stories of the people of God encountering the Holy Spirit, coming into that moment where they said, this is undeniable. I just felt something I've never felt before. I just experienced something I've never experienced before. I'm just gonna invite everyone who's able to stand as we just pray, Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming. We thank you for your empowerment. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're patient with us and we thank you that you guide us. You, our comforter, our counselor, our helper, our convictor. Thank you for leading us into righteousness. Thank you for empowering us for this day, for this moment, for this hour. And today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to pour out something new on every believer. Let them feel a fresh fire. Let them speak a fresh word. Let them hear the sound of your wind, God, in a new way. I thank you for tangible representations of your infilling, that we would know that you are with us. God, through speaking in tongues, through prophetic words, through healings, Holy Spirit, be seen in our lives. And for those who are seeking, for those who are waiting, for those who have never felt the infilling of who you are, we ask you to come. Fill them, fill them, fill them with your fire. That they would receive power today. Oh, we thank you for it. We thank you for power from on high. We thank you from fire, for fire, for fire. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.